And Lord, tonight we sing you these songs because you are worthy. You're worthy to be loved and trusted. You alone are worthy of worship. That's a word we use too lightly. But you alone deserve our worship, the totality of our love, our living and dying trust, because you are our God, our Lord, our Savior, our life. We thank you, we honor you, and we remember you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Those of you who are raising small children or can remember when your children were small know that you don't have to do much to teach them the concept of justice. Long before human beings know the meaning of the word justice or can pronounce it properly. Our hearts are tuned for what's right and wrong. That's one thing that has made these strange, difficult, in some many ways tragic days so hard for so many of us. Injustice. And that's what makes Good Friday such a paradoxical day. We are gathered in worship with our Bibles open. If you have your Bible, I, I hope you'll open it with me to the book of 1 Peter. If you're on the online environment, there should be Scripture there as well. We're gathered on Good Friday to remember injustice. And not only to remember it, and not really to mourn it either. On Good Friday, Christians across the world Remember the greatest injustice that ever has been and ever could be committed in human history. And we give thanks. Four gospel writers, all of them depending in some measure on eyewitnesses of the events, some of them eyewitnesses of the events, tell us at the end of the life of Jesus of grave injustice. They tell us of a mockery of a six-part trial before both religious and civil authorities. They tell us of a terrible miscarriage of justice. They tell us of lies, of slander, of blasphemy too. They tell us of betrayal by a close friend, a man whom Jesus loved, who betrayed him for filthy money and signaled that Jesus was the one to be arrested beaten, spit upon, mocked, scourged, and crucified. Judas did all of that famously with a kiss. Passerby came by the cross and mocked Jesus. In addition to all that humanity did to him that night, religious and civil authorities working together, both Jew and Gentile, the whole world, the apostles later explained and prayed, conspiring against God to kill his son. Jesus was cursed as he died above the men he came to save. Almost everyone he had loved, he had loved fled. Peter, who writes the words I read tonight, had denied Christ with oaths 
and then ashamed of himself, went out and the Bible says wept bitterly on that night. And from this great injustice for which paradoxically we thank God comes a calling. The cross still speaks, the cross still calls, and it is left to Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 to explain to us what was happening at the cross of Christ and to tell us that the cross and the life and death of Jesus on the cross represent for us a calling. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 21. Peter writes to Christians who were themselves suffering, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If you look carefully through these few verses, you're going to find a theme that ties them all together. That theme is substitution. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is our substitute. Over and over, in picture after picture, in phrase after phrase, we're told that Jesus was dying on the cross not because of crimes and sins He had committed, not to face the justice of man or the justice of God for Himself, but for us. Look again in verse 21. For to this you have been called. Yes, the cross calls out to us. It has a calling for us because, Peter says, Christ also suffered for you. In verse 23, it tells us that Jesus died without complaint, without threat or curse in return, and we're told in verse 24 again of the substitution, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. At the end of verse 24, by His wounds you have been healed. Substitution. Jesus is our substitute. He suffered for us. He bore our sins. He took wounds upon Himself so that we in exchange could be healed. Jesus is our substitute. For two reasons, Peter says. Jesus is, first of all, Peter says, our example. Jesus teaches us to suffer. One of the difficult things about these days of global pandemic is that every person alive is suffering in a new way. Not a single person alive has ever lived through anything like this before. In a moment, families were separated, jobs were ended, financial insecurity rocked the whole world. 
In a moment, companies and individuals made difficult decisions, and many people will tell you, in their individual case at least, those decisions were unjust. The people who first read Peter's letter were not suffering through a pandemic, but they were suffering in a very particular way. They were suffering simply for being Christians. Persecution had engulfed them. Peter describes it in this same letter as a fiery trial that has come upon them. They're all suffering, and Peter says to them, and he says to us some 2,000 years later, that the calling from the cross is first a calling to take Jesus as our example. Verse 21, to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you. There he is, our substitute. And as our substitute, Peter says, he is leaving us an example that we might follow in his steps. I've been so moved, I cannot tell you how much and the majority of people who will be taking part in this service at home are members of this family. So I speak to you directly. This is primarily a word to the church tonight. I've been so impressed. I've been so moved. I've been so grateful for the way you have borne suffering as Christians. This trial that we're all living through has not come upon us because we're Christians but you have borne it, you have faced it with the grace of Christ. There are among the very few people who are here tonight helping produce this service for all of us. There are some who are suffering greatly, and they don't speak of it. They don't complain. They do what Jesus did. We're told in verse 23, Jesus continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When those passerby were mocking, when those soldiers were striking, when those wicked men were spitting on Christ, when they eventually set discouraging him and killing him, were told the attitude of Christ right here. In all of that, in all his life, he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. He was reviled, but he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten in return, but he continued entrusting himself to God. And that's what every Christian must do, whatever the cause of our suffering. We must imitate our Savior. We must walk in his footsteps because, Peter says in verse 20, 21, to this we have been called. Christ suffered for us. He is our substitute, not only to save us, but to teach us how to suffer. He comes to the heart of the gospel in verse 24, and it's the second thing that Jesus became our substitute for. Verse 24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. And that's an elegant phrase, but you couldn't, you'd have to look a long time to find fewer words to describe the gospel. What was happening on the cross of Christ? My sins were being laid upon the Savior. My lies, my deceit, my self-centeredness, my wickedness, everything that has ever been wrong about me in attitude, in deed, in motive. The sins of the whole world 
some small and easily excused by people, some heinous that turn people's eyes away when they are seen on the television screen, who make people walk away when they're mentioned by people recounting of great evil. All of those things held Jesus to the cross. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He became there our substitute, not as our example, but the heart of the gospel is Jesus became our sin bearer. There he died to give us new life. And to be perfectly clear, lest anyone be confused, no one can take Jesus as example in any significant way unless they first take him as sin bearer. We do not have the spiritual and moral strength sufficient to in any way imitate Christ if he does not bear our sin first and give us new life. Peter says he himself bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. There again is a substitution. On the cross, God the Father, by His own choice and because of His great love, is making a great exchange. He's trading the life of His Son for ours. He's trading the righteousness of His Son for our unrighteousness. He's trading the holiness of His Son for our sin. And Peter says all of that happened so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The calling from the cross is not only a calling to follow in the example of Christ and suffer well. It's also a calling to die to the old life and live for the new righteous life that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. A great misunderstanding, and I'm speaking now as a pastor to our congregation as well, and first to myself. A big misunderstanding regarding the gospel is that Jesus dies to give you life so that you may do as you please, and that's not true. I once heard someone stumble through an explanation of what Jesus was trying to, what Jesus was doing on the cross, and this man trying to find words says that Jesus offers a do-over. No, that's not true. You could give me endless chances, endless do-overs, and left to my own devices, left to my own weakness, I would sin over and over and over and over again, and after a thousand do-overs, I would be just as guilty before the God who knows my heart. No, Jesus is dying on the cross, suffering for us, Peter says, bearing sin for us in his body on the tree to give us a whole new life. And the plea of Peter, the plea from Scripture, the call from the cross is to take Jesus first as an example, but then also to welcome him and remember that he is your sin bearer so that with the new life he gave you, you might follow in his steps, that you might die to sin and now live to righteousness, not to live as you please, but to live as he would please. None of us should continue to live for the sins that Jesus took to the cross. The calling from the cross of Christ is not only a calling to suffer well because he suffered everything for us, 
But it's a call to holiness. It's a call to die to sin, to die to the things that Jesus paid for on the cross and take our new life and live for what is right and true, to live to righteousness. Dear fellow Christians, listen, we are already covered. Jesus interposed his righteous life between our lives and the justice of God. Verse 24 says, He Himself bore His sins, our sins, and His body on the tree. We're also healed. Verse 24 says, At the end, by His wounds, you have been healed. Peter, under the inspiration of God Himself, so that we will recognize the magnitude of the gift we've been given, is displaying every image, every picture in just a few words. He says in verse 25, we were straying like sheep, but now we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We're covered, we're healed, and we're safe. We have a shepherd now. We have someone to go and meet the wolf for us. We have a good shepherd to stand between us and death so that when this life of suffering and tears and injustice is over, and death calls for us, we will find it to be not the end, but only the beginning. We will find it to be eternal life. Here's the call from the cross. Christ died for us. Let's live for righteousness. I speak now to the members of Crosspoint, to every Christian really, but particularly to the members of this flock. This could be our finest hour. I've seen more faith, more love, more compassion, more courage than I ever could have suspected was in our congregation. I've heard of people for the first time in their lives seeking the Scriptures not only for themselves but to teach them to their children, to bring the gospel to people who are asking questions. I had the privilege myself this week of praying with a friend I've been chasing with the good news of Jesus for over 10 years this week. None of us understand why this has come, but we can decide to respond as Christians. We don't know when this will be over. We don't know how we will emerge. But cross point, since Christ died for us, let's live for righteousness. Let's live for holiness. Let's live to present the gospel. If we're called to suffer and we don't want to, no one does. But if we must suffer, let's suffer as Christians. When suffering breaks us open, may the world see Christ. May the world see grace. May the world see an individual and a family and a congregation that does not threaten or complain or curse or sin in suffering, but it continues to entrust itself to the God who judges justly, who will reward every act of love because His Son has already made us safe, has already secured the Father's love, has already healed us, and has promised to guide us safely home. If you don't know Christ tonight, if you're one of those who is tuned in to this broadcast, hoping for answers, I speak now directly to you. It's Jesus who is the answer. There is no other.
No one can save you. From this life, no one will get out alive, but you can have the King of glory. You can have eternal life. You can be saved if you will turn from your sins. If this is what it takes, if this is your moment, if this is the time finally when you can humble yourself and say to the Lord, Lord, I understand. I'm a sinner. You're a Savior. Please save me. He will. That's what took him to the cross. That's what issues this call to suffer well and to take Jesus as your sin bearer. If you're already a Christian, let's move forward in gratitude. Let's move forward in righteousness. Christ has already died for us. Let's die to sin and live for righteousness. Let's pray together. I speak now personally to those who may need to trust Christ. Could I invite you to speak to Him? You see, all these songs, they're not songs to a memory. They're songs to a person. This isn't a monument to someone long dead who no longer lives. This is a monument. This is a memorial. This is a celebration and a gratitude to a living Savior. And He's listening. He can save you. That's why he went to the cross to save you. So if you'll speak to him and tell him that you recognize your guilt, you understand, you humbly believe that it was your sins that he took to the cross, ask for his forgiveness. Put him in charge. Entrust himself to you. Entrust yourself rather to him. He'll save you. He did so for me. He did so for every person you've seen on camera tonight, for those you cannot see, and for untold millions of others who now know it truly is a good Friday because it purchased our life. So call out to him. Just ask him, Lord, please save, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I want you as my Savior. Take over, take charge, teach me to follow you. And if you're a Christian, be grateful. Not for the injustice, but in the midst of it. In all the suffering, remember that you have someone who suffered much more greatly, who sacrificed so much more. He traded his riches for your poverty so that you could be rich so that you could be healed, so that you could be safe. So, Lord Jesus, tonight we thank you. If there's men or women anywhere, Lord, watching this broadcast now who are calling out to you, thank you for welcoming them into your family. I pray for those who are struggling. They're right on the edge of giving up on believing themselves and they're going to start believing you. Give them grace right now to cross that line. Be saved. Find you. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us hear this call from the cross. Suffer well and not live any longer for the things that took you to the cross to live instead, we ask in your name for righteousness. In Christ's name, amen.
if tonight you need prayer, if tonight you've trusted Christ as your Savior, take a minute longer on the website. Let us know. Send me an email personally. You can find my staff page easily enough. There's a lot of ways to communicate with us. You can do so through social media, however you choose. Social media, email, whatever you choose to do. Let us know that tonight you've taken Christ as Savior. And remember, as a great preacher of another generation said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. For a little while longer, and only for a little while longer, it seemed in those days that death and sin had won, that the grave had had the last word, that the author of life himself had been extinguished and killed and murdered. None of it was true. It was all in the Father's plan. Because on Sunday, Jesus rose to prove who he was, to prove that every word he had spoken was true, to prove that he could give eternal life. So, Christian, take that righteousness that Christ gave you, use it courageously in these next few hours, and invite as many people as you can. Email them, text them, call them, go on our social media, share our invitation. Invite them to celebrate the gift of eternal life who is Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, that we may live for righteousness. God bless you. We love you. We miss you terribly. We will worship again in just a few hours on Resurrection Sunday. God bless you. Bye-bye.